Back in April last year, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg got hauled in front of Congress for two brutal days of questioning. We welcome everyone to today's hearing on Facebook's social media privacy and the use and abuse of data. Although not I think you remember it, a pale, kind of robotic Zuckerberg in an uncharacteristic suit getting grilled by one lawmaker after another about the Cambridge Analytica scandal. The questions were mostly about the company's privacy lapses. But there was this one moment when the conversation turned to something a little different. Senator Graham's up next. Thank you. Uh, This you hear is a senior Republican senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham. If I buy a Ford and it doesn't work well and I don't like it, I can buy a Chevy. If I'm upset with Facebook, what's the equivalent product that I can go sign up for? Uh, well, there's the second category that I was going to talk about. Are I'm not talking about categories. I'm talking about is there real competition you face? Because car companies face a lot of competition. If they make a defective car, it gets out in the world. People stop buying that car. They buy another one. Is it an alternative to Facebook in the private sector? Uh, yes, Senator. The average American uses eight different apps, okay. ranging from texting apps the, to email. Which is the same to, service you provide. Well, we is, provide a number of different services. Is Twitter the same as what you do? It overlaps with a portion of what we do. You don't think you have a monopoly? Uh, it certainly doesn't feel like that to me. Okay. <laughs> that moment turned out to be a harbinger for the next 18 months. Not just for Facebook, but also for its biggest peers in the industry. And it's all come down to the same question, stated in different ways. We're in this very serious monopoly moment. Google is a monopoly. Culminating in a storm of antitrust investigations and a sweeping proposal from who's now one of the leading candidates in the Democratic presidential primaries. It is time to break up America's tech giants. Today in the show, reporter Eric Newcomer will brief us on the current state of play in Washington and how a Democrat in the White House could take it even further. So stay with us. I'm Aki Ito, and you're listening to Decrypted. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Great, great. How are you doing? You know, our longtime listeners will recognize you as our Uber reporter, but you recently changed beats. Yeah. In February, I defected uh, from San Francisco, moved to New York, <laughs> followed Uber through the IPO, and now I'm diving into the hot story of the day, antitrust. You know, I want to start our conversation today with how we got here in the first place, which is maybe another way of talking about how your beat has, you know, become so interesting and so timely right now. Yeah. Uh, so here's how I'm going to set it up. Just a few years ago, no one talked about technology monopolies, right? It was the last thing on Washington's agenda. And it's really over maybe the last year or two that we started hearing the steady drumbeat of how these companies have gotten too big. So set the context for us. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about antitrust, but I think where this really started is just with a lot of anger towards technology companies. I love this country. Thank you. Thank you very much. Probably the biggest force in that is 
the election of Donald Trump and the role that Russian interference might have played in getting him elected. They allowed the private information of 50 million Americans to be harvested by the Trump campaign's consulting firm. And the role that Facebook played through the Cambridge Analytica scandal and advertising and just sort of the rise of bots and just like that force, I think, has animated some of this, which created all these spill-on effects. My problem is with Facebook. So there are all these forces of frustration with tech that are now, I think, manifesting in this antitrust furor in different parts of the government. On a really basic level, what is antitrust? They're the rules to protect capitalism, right? To stop price fixing, to block cartels. You know, it's what makes competition work. And, you know, it really dates back in the United States to the 1800s. There were these small railroad companies that all consolidated and formed this giant conglomerate. And so then the government looked at that. They created the Sherman Antitrust Act. And there was this whole push, you know, we think about trust busting to crack down on big conglomerates. And then Standard Oil is perhaps the most famous historic example where all these oil companies were cobbled together to create this huge oil company that used its power to control the market and the government cracked down on that. And then in more recent history, we have the breakup of AT&T and then probably in very recent memory, the fight against Microsoft and the attempted breakup of that company, which ultimately failed. You know, Microsoft had a few rules imposed against it, had to open up some of its data to third parties. But, you know, it wasn't broken up. So what's the rule of thumb that tells us when companies violate these antitrust, anti-monopoly laws? It's very complicated and evolving. So I think really if you want to understand what happened from the 1970s to today is this focus on consumer harm and the worry that antitrust should mostly be concerned with whether monopolistic behavior hurts consumers, whether it drives up prices, and much less oriented around whether consolidation makes it impossible for other businesses to compete or has some other harm more focused on the competitive environment. What's happening today is a reconsideration in sort of the academic world, and then that's trickling over to the enforcement agencies that says, okay, it's not just about consumer harm. There are all, even if you're Facebook, right, and you give your product away for free, there can be a problem. There are other harms there besides an obvious, I have to pay more. You know, Eric, on a really broad level, Facebook and Google and Amazon, and maybe to throw in Apple there too, they're all really different business models, which I think makes it a little bit confusing. But one of our colleagues, Ali, was explaining to me recently that if you really abstract it out, you can think of them as all having created services that attract a lot of consumers, and then they use that pool of consumers to charge businesses access to those consumers, which I thought was really interesting. And, you know, maybe in Facebook and Google's case, they make this free service that attracts billions of people. And then they charge advertisers for access to these consumers. Uh, In Amazon's case, they charge sellers on the site access to Amazon's customers. And in Apple's case, it, it feels a little different, but they're still charging app developers access to iPhone users through the App Store. 
So I guess the way to think about it is that the victims here in this case are not the consumers like us, but they're actually the advertisers, the Amazon sellers, the app developers. Right. I mean, the only caveat that I would give to that is, you know, even if consumers get something for free, competition might mean that they could choose between services with different values. You know, you could, people talk a lot about a more privacy-oriented social network. That, that would be my only caveat. So let's walk through the thing that each company did to attract regulator scrutiny. You want to start with Facebook? Mm-hmm. All right. Even before we talk about antitrust. It's a $5 billion settlement with the FTC and Facebook. And Facebook just settled with the Federal Trade Commission over a $5 billion privacy violation. So the FTC now is investigating Facebook over its acquisitions because Facebook bought Instagram when it was then a small but promising photo sharing app. And obviously it bought WhatsApp, this messaging service, and that's effectively allowed it to block the formation of new competitors. Then Facebook also faces a new uh, antitrust investigation coming against Facebook. Eight states are included in this investigation, which a multi-state attorney's general investigation led by the New York attorney general's office. They're looking at whether their tactics limited consumer choice. And also they're looking at whether what they did increased the cost of advertising. So that's another one. And then Congress is also investigating Facebook. And then the Department of Justice is also investigating Facebook. So, yeah, we've got... <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, we've got the FTC, a multi-state attorney's general investigation, the Department of Justice, and Congress. Uh, yeah, they're mm-hmm. all looking at it. And and so for Facebook, these are related to the acquisitions it's made, specifically WhatsApp and Instagram. Yes. Got it. Talk us through Google. So Google's already had to fend off and paid fines in the European Union. And now the United States is really turning its attention to the company. We now have a clearer sense of just how sweeping this action will be. 50 attorney generals, 48 states, plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico are announcing this investigation into Google over concerns of antitrust. In the United States, the largest investigation against Google is being led by the Texas Attorney General's office, who's brought together 50 states and uh, localities. This huge coalition of attorneys general looking into how Google's ad exchange works and whether how it sells ads blocks other competitors from the markets. They have very detailed questions asking about how they influence prices potentially in the advertising market. Then the Department of Justice is looking at Google. I think they're looking at history of antitrust complaints and trying to uh, get more information there. And then what about Amazon? With Amazon, it's really a question of how they use their market power to manipulate or control sellers on their platform. The Federal Trade Commission is looking at, you know, how much revenue do these sellers get just from Amazon? Are they dependent on Amazon or are they really able to go to eBay and other companies to make enough revenue? And we should know that Apple, even though it's an older company than Facebook and Amazon and Google, is somewhat of a target too. 
I think it, the key the key to understanding Apple is the App Store issues and just the amount of control that running this App Store could give the company. Is it hurting Spotify by placing uh, Apple's own products way above in its App Store listing? So a lot of these inquiries are about the Apple App Store and how it throws around its weight and controls that store to its advantage. Presumably, it'll take a while for these investigations to conclude. But, you know, let's say any one of these agencies uh, finds that, you know, one of these companies did engage in anti-competitive behavior. Uh, What happens then? (laughs) You know, there are all sorts of remedies. I think the one everyone thinks about is breaking them up. And that's something that Elizabeth Warren has talked a lot about and I think is on people's minds and would solve or attempt to solve this sort of just they're too big and politically powerful and influential. So breaking them up is one, but then there are all sorts of remedies that that could be constructed. I was talking to a professor who suggested that data portability would be a potential remedy for Facebook because the idea was, you know, if I split up Facebook into three or four different companies, the network is still a powerful force. So maybe one of those companies then just becomes the new monopoly because I want to go where my friends are. We all sort of migrate to to one of the four new companies. And does that really solve the problem? On the other hand, if the requirement is that I need to be able to easily move my data from Facebook to another company, then I could simultaneously use different social networks and it would foster more competition. We'll be right back. So before the break, Eric, you walked us through the various investigations into the big tech companies. These are ongoing, but things could change a lot if a Democrat wins the White House in 2020. Uh, We're not going to go through all 10 plus candidates who are running right now in the Democratic primary. But I do want to focus on a few of the top contenders who've talked about what they want to do with this issue. Uh, Walk us through some of the moderates first, the candidates who scare the industry a little bit less. Well, it's sort of interesting. I think Joe Biden, the consensus among people watching this issue is that he would be comparatively friendly to the tech companies relative to sort of what I'll call the Bernie Warren wing. He's from Delaware, a famously pro-corporate state, and he's got this reputation as just being a much more moderate candidate who's not out there on the stump saying, let's, you know, destroy all these companies and not taking on as an antagonistic role with uh, the CEO. So he's definitely the candidate that if you're running Facebook's uh, antitrust policy shop, you you would probably be happy if he won because it it means you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's, I'd say, Pete Buttigieg, who's talking about this issue in a more cooperative way, but is definitely surfacing the issue of antitrust. And Eric, what about Kamala Harris? Uh, She's a California senator, so of course she represents Silicon Valley. Harris has been more of a moderate generally and hasn't come out very vocally on antitrust issues. She seems open to looking at it, but I I don't think she's going to be the hardest driver on this set of issues. Then there's Bernie Sanders, who true to form is great at using the bully pulpit. He's been 
pretty proud about saying that he wants to crack down on companies that are too big. And tech is a part of that, but it, but it's much broader. And then there's Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, in March. She held this huge rally in Queens after Amazon had just given up on its vision of coming to New York. We have these giant tech companies that think they rule the earth. They think they can come to towns, cities, states, and bully everyone into doing what they want. So it was this very iconic, you know, American flag celebration of, you know, the failure, basically, of Amazon. Uh, And it came while she was putting out this medium post that really documented her crusade against big tech. names Facebook, Google, Amazon, and outlines exactly how she wants to break them up. Her idea sort of is in two buckets, I'd say. One is just simply unwinding mergers that have helped make these companies too big. Giants are not allowed to buy out the competition. The competition has to get a chance to grow. So that's Instagram and WhatsApp for Facebook. That's Nest and Waze for Google. That's Zappos and Whole Foods for Amazon. And then the other part is that, you know, a platform company with that generates more than $25 billion in revenue should not be allowed to also compete on the platform it operates. And so then she identifies Amazon Marketplace as a platform, meaning that it shouldn't be allowed to sell its own goods against other competitors on its marketplace. Look, what they want is they want to be the umpire in the baseball game, and they also want to run a bunch of teams in the game. So my view on this is you can be an umpire or you can own a team, but you can't do both at the same time. So let's break up. So those are the two real buckets. Unwinding mergers that allowed companies to get too big, and then policing platforms that are trying to compete with companies that operate on their platforms. Could she do it just by directing the federal agencies as president? Or would she actually have to push through new legislation through Congress? That's definitely a big question that uh, um, the Medium Post does not answer. The Federal Trade Commission certainly has the power to look at old mergers. So I think that's part of uh, the explanation for the focus there. But ultimately, you know, that authority comes from Congress and things like the Sherman Act. But that act is, as we've said, pretty (laughs) vague. So then the courts have a lot of authority to interpret uh, whether the agency really had the power to do what they're doing. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, in his leaked all-hands meeting... Like Elizabeth Warren, who thinks that the right answer is to break up the companies... Um, you know, I mean, if she gets elected president, then I would, I would bet that we will have a legal challenge, and I would bet that we will win the legal challenge. But, but look, at the end of the day, if someone's going to try to threaten something that existential, you go to the map and you fight. Basically says we can challenge these things in court. Then they're going to take years and years to play out. Could be a decade. You know, a law would give her a lot more authority to expand their power. And you can imagine, you know, this is now an issue with bipartisan support. Maybe Republicans and Democrats come together 
to expand antitrust law in some ways that allows the FTC and DOJ to go after tech companies. Obviously, like you said, there's so many ifs at this point, right? It's if Warren wins a presidency, if she's then potentially able to push through new legislation that may or may not be necessary through Congress, if whatever she decides to do survives the courts. But let's say all of these ifs do happen. How bad would that be for Facebook, Google, and Amazon? They wouldn't be the iconic companies that they are today. What is Facebook without Instagram, when so much of its growth is coming from Instagram? What's Google without all its exciting projects? You know, if it doesn't have Nest or Waze or if a big part of its advertising business is split off of it and now competing with it, that's a different company. And Amazon, you know, its identity isn't just this marketplace for sellers. It's the fact that it's buying Whole Foods and selling products cheaply of its own. And for these CEOs and founders, they wouldn't have this sort of sweeping power that they have today. So it would just really change how these men occupy and control aspects of our society. In the meantime, I wonder if this scrutiny alone will make them a little bit more cautious. Like, I wonder if it'll make them think twice before they buy the next Instagram. It's definitely possible. I mean, if you think about the case of Microsoft, that was a company that didn't have the most extreme end result in its antitrust battle with the government. But it still seemed to move slower afterwards. And it really missed, you know, the mobile era, for example. And I think there are a lot of people who think that the scrutiny alone made it just much more cautious, much more legally sensitive, and that type of thinking slowed it down. On the other hand, I think, you know, Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook has shown, you know, a willingness to continue to be bold, even when there are a lot of critics. You know, he proposed Libra, this cryptocurrency. His company put that out in a time of massive government scrutiny. So I don't think it's a company that's been bowed by pressure so far. Eric Newcomer will continue posting your stories on Bloomberg.com slash tech. Where else can our listeners follow this ongoing story? You know, I'm on Twitter at Eric Newcomer, uh, E-R-I-C-N-E-W-C-O-M-E-R. And I'm sure I'll be writing about this uh, every week for Fully Charged, our newsletter. There's so much to say. Thanks for making the time today. Yeah, of course. Decrypted is produced by me, Aki Ito, and Ethan Brooks, with help from Topher Forges and Laura Carlson. Our story editor is Anne Vandermeer. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.